Section 14 of Once a Week by A. A. Milne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 8 Merely Players, Part 2 One of Our Sufferers. There is no question before the country of more importance than that of national health. In my own small way, I have made something of a study of it and when a royal commission begins its enquiries i shall put before it the evidence which i have accumulated i shall lay particular stress upon the health of thompson you'll beat me to-day he said as he swung his club stiffly on the first tee i shan't be able to hit a ball you should have some lessons i suggested thompson gave a snort of indignation it's not that he said but i've been very seedy lately and that's all right i shan't mind i haven't played a thoroughly well man for a month now you know i think my liver i held up my hand not before the caddy please i said severely he is quite a child thompson said no more for the moment but hit his ball hard and straight along the ground it's perfectly absurd he said with a shrug i shan't be able to give you a game at all well if you don't mind playing a sick man not if you don't mind being one i replied and drove a ball which also went along the ground but not so far as my opponents there i'm about the only man in england who can do that when he's quite well the ball was sitting up nicely for my second shot, and I managed to put it on the green. Thompson's, fifty yards farther on, was reclining in the worst part of a bunker which he had forgotten about. Well, really, he said, there's an example of luck for you. Your ball... I didn't do it on purpose, I pleaded. Don't be angry with me. He made two attempts to get out, and then picked his ball up. We walked in silence to the second tee. This time, I said, I shall hit the sphere properly, and with a terrific swing I stroked it gently into a gorse bush. I looked at the thing in disgust, and then felt my pulse. Apparently I was still quite well. Thompson, forgetting about his liver, drove a beauty we met on the green five i said only five asked thompson suspiciously six i said holing a very long putt thompson's health had a relapse he took four short putts and was down in seven it's really rather absurd he said in a conversational way as we went to the next tee that putting should be so ridiculously important take that hole for instance i get on the green in a perfect three you fluff your drive completely and get on it what was it five i said again er five and yet you win the hole it is rather absurd isn't it i've often thought so i admitted readily that is to say when i've taken four putts I'm two up. On the third tee, Thompson's health became positively alarming. He missed the ball altogether. 
"'It's ridiculous to try to play,' he said with a forced laugh. "'I can't see the ball at all.' "'It's still there,' I assured him. He struck at it again, and it hurried off into a ditch. "'Look here,' he said. "'Wouldn't you rather play the pro? "'This is not much of a match for you.' I considered. Of course, a game with the pro would be much pleasanter than a game with Thompson, but ought I to leave him in his present serious condition of health? His illness was approaching its critical stage, and it was my duty to pull him through if I could. No, no, I said, let's go on, the fresh air will do you good. Perhaps it will, he said hopefully. I'm sorry I'm like this but I've had a cold hanging about for some days, and that, on top of my liver, quite so, I said. The climax was reached at the next hole, when, with several strokes in hand, he topped his approach shot into a bunker. For my sake, he tried to look as though he had meant to run it up along the ground, having forgotten about the intervening hazard, it was a brave effort to hide from me the real state of his health, but he soon saw that it was hopeless. He sighed and pressed his hand to his eyes. Then he held his fingers a foot away from him and looked at them as if he were trying to count them correctly. His state was pitiable, and I felt that at any cost I must save him. I did. The corner was turned at the fifth, where I took four putts. "'You aren't going to win all the holes,' he said grudgingly as he ran down his putt. Convalescence set in at the sixth, when I got into an impossible place, and picked up. "'Oh, well, I shall give you a game yet,' he said, two down. The need for further bulletins ceased at the seventh hole, which he played really well and won easily. "'Aha! You won't beat me by much,' he said, in spite of my liver. And "'By the way, how is the liver?' I asked. "'Your fresh air cure is doing it good. Of course it may come on again, but—' He drove a screamer. "'I think I shall be all right,' he announced. "'All square,' he said cheerily at the ninth. "'I fancy I'm going to beat you now.' "'Not bad, you know, considering you were four up. "'Practically speaking, I gave you a start of four holes.' "'I decided that it was time to make an effort again, "'seeing that Thompson's health was now thoroughly re-established. "'On the next seven holes, I managed to win three and have two. "'It is only fair to say, though, as Thompson did several times, "'that I had an extraordinary amount of good luck.' and that he was dogged by ill-fortune throughout. But this, after all, is as nothing, so long as one's health is above suspicion. The great thing was that Thompson's liver suffered no relapse, even though, at the seventeenth tee, he was one down and two to play. And it was on the seventeenth tee that I had to think seriously how I wanted the match to end. Thompson, at lunch, when he has won, is a very different man from Thompson, at lunch, when he has lost. The more I thought about it, the more I realized that I was in rather a happy position. 
If I won, I won, which was jolly. If I lost, Thompson won, and we should have a pleasant lunch. However, as it happened, the match was halved. Yes, I was afraid so, said Thompson. I let you get too long a start. It's absurd to suppose that I can give you four holes up and beat you. It practically amounts to giving you four bisques. Four bisques is about six strokes. I'm not really six strokes better than you. What about lunch? I suggested. Good. And you can have your revenge afterwards. He led the way into the pavilion. Now I wonder, he said, what I can safely eat. I want to be able to give you some sort of a game this afternoon. Well, if there is ever a royal commission upon the national physique, I shall insist on giving evidence, for it seems to me that golf, far from improving the health of the country, is actually undermining it. Thompson, at any rate, since he has taken to the game, has never been quite fit. In the Swim "'Do you tango?' asked Miss Hopkins, as soon as we were comfortably seated. I know her name was Hopkins, because I had her down on my program as Popkins, which seemed too good to be true, and in order to give her a chance of reconsidering it, I had asked her if she was one of the Popkinses of Hampshire. It had then turned out that she was really one of the Hopkinses of Maida Vale. No, I said, I don't. She was only the fifth person who had asked me, but then she was only my fifth partner. Oh, you ought to. You must be up to date, you know. I'm always a bit late with these things, I explained. The waltz came to England in 1812, but I didn't really master it till 1904. I'm afraid if you wait as long as that before you master the tango, it will be out. That's what I thought. By the time I learnt the tango, the bingo would be in. My idea was to learn the bingo in advance, so as to be ready for it. Think how you'll all envy me in 1917. Think how society will flock to my bingo quick lunches. I shall be the only man in London who bingoes properly. Of course, by 1918, you'll all be at it. "'Then we must have one together in 1918,' smiled Miss Hopkins. "'In 1918,' I pointed out coldly, "'I shall be learning the pongo.' "'My next partner had no name that I could discover, "'but a fund of conversation. "'Do you tango?' she asked me as soon as we were comfortably seated. "'No,' I said, "'I don't. "'But,' I added, I once learned the minuet. Oh, they're not very much alike, are they? Not a bit. However, luckily, that doesn't matter, because I've forgotten all the steps now. She seemed a little puzzled, and decided to change the subject. Are you going to learn the tango? she asked. I don't think so. It took me four months to learn the minuet. But they're quite different, aren't they? Quite, I agreed. And she seemed to have exhausted herself for the moment. It was obviously my business to say something. 
there was only one thing to say. "'Do you, Tango?' "'No,' she said. "'I don't.' "'Are you going to learn?' "'Oh, yes.' "'Ah,' I said. And five minutes later we parted forever. The next dance really was a tango, and I saw, to my horror, that I had a name down for it. With some difficulty I found the owner of it, and prepared to explain to her that, unfortunately, I couldn't dance the tango, but that for profound conversation about it I was undoubtedly the man. Luckily, she explained first. "'I'm afraid I can't do this,' she apologized. "'I'm so sorry.' "'Not at all,' I said magnanimously. "'We'll sit it out.' We found a comfortable seat. "'Do you, Tango?' she asked. I was tired of saying no. "'Yes,' I said. "'Are you sure you wouldn't like to find somebody else to do it with?' "'Quite. Thanks. The fact is, I do it rather differently from the way they're doing it here tonight. You see, I actually learnt it in the Argentine.' She was very much interested to hear this. Really? Are you out there much? I've got an uncle living there now. I wonder if, when I say I learnt it in the Argentine, I explained, I mean that I was actually taught it in St. John's Wood, but that my dancing mistress came from... In St. John's Wood, she said eagerly. But how funny! My sister is learning there. I wonder if... She was a very difficult person to talk to. Her relations seemed to spread themselves all over the place. Perhaps that is hardly doing justice to the situation, I explained again. It would be more accurate to put it like this. When I decided... By the way, does your family frequent Paris? No? Good. Well, when I decided to learn the tango... The fact that my friends, the Hopkinses of St. John's Wood, or rather my avail, had already learnt it in Paris, naturally led me to... I say, what about an ice? It's getting awfully hot in here. Oh, I don't think... I'll go and get them, I said hastily. And I went and took a long time getting them. And as it turned out that she didn't want hers, after all a long time eating them. When I was ready for conversation again, the next dance was beginning. With a bow, I relinquished her to another. "'Come along,' said a bright voice behind me. "'This is ours.' "'Hello, Nora, is that you? Come on.' We hurried in, danced in silence, and then found ourselves a comfortable seat. For a moment, neither of us spoke. "'Have you learned the tango yet?' asked Nora. Fourteen, I said aloud. "'Help! Does that mean that I'm the fourteenth person who has asked you?' "'The night is yet young, Nora. You are only the eighth, but I was betting that you'd ask me before I counted twenty. You lost, and you owe me a pair of ivory-backed hairbrushes and a cigar-cutter.' "'Bother!' Anyhow, I'm not going to be stopped talking about the tango if I want to. Did you know I was learning? I can do the scissors. Good. 
we'll do the new fleet street movement together the scissors and paste you go into the ballroom and do the scissors and i'll er stick here and do the paste can't you really do any of it at all and aren't you going to learn i can't nora i am not going to learn nora it isn't so very difficult you know i'd teach you myself for tuppence will you stop talking about it for threepence i asked and took out three coppers no i sighed and put them back again it was the last dance of the evening my hostess finding me lonely had dragged me up to somebody and i and whatever her name was were in the supper-room drinking our farewell soup so far we had said nothing to each other i waited anxiously for her to begin suddenly she began have you thought about christmas presents yet she asked i nearly swooned with difficulty i remained in an upright position she was the first person who had not begun by asking me if i danced the tango excuse me i said i'm afraid i didn't would you tell me your name again i felt that it ought to be celebrated in some way i had some notion of writing a sonnet to her hopkins she said i knew you'd forget me of course i haven't i said suddenly remembering her the sonnet would never be written now we had a dance together before yes she said let me see she added i did ask you if you danced the tango didn't i End of section 14